Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Do I have a fascinating conversation for you today, friend? Today, I am chatting with Jen Batchelor, who is the co-founder and CEO of Kin Euphorics, which is an alternative beverage company revolutionizing the future of social drinking as we know it. It was launched in December of 2018, and Kin has since taken elevated nightlife culture by storm with over 1 million servings sold of their functional non-alcoholic spirits in just under a year. Jen was raised in Saudi Arabia as the daughter of a bootlegging expat of British American descent, and she eventually came to build a decade-long career in strategic innovation at the intersection of tech, wellness, and hospitality, and now brings her unique perspective to the ritual of drinking by bringing smarter solutions to socializing designed for a global audience. So let me tell you, Jen is a fascinating woman. We talked about alcohol, sobriety, um, other options if you don't want to drink and the whole wellness movement and why sober lifestyles are becoming more and more of a thing and how important it is that we remove the stigma around not drinking. Not drinking is not just reserved for people who are either super religious or pregnant or have a problem. So 
I will tell you personally that I was really inspired and challenged by our conversation. I've been a fan of Kenya Forks since it opened. And I'm just so excited for you to get to hear her story, more about who she is, why she started Kin, and the incredible conversation we had around sober living. So let's go ahead and get to it. Well, welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and I am so excited today to be talking with very intriguing woman, Jen, the founder of Kin Euphorics. Now, you might be like, what in the heck is Kin Euphorics? What are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about all things sober living and in a time where there's really this movement and uh, push towards living more holistically and wellness industry is a massive space right now. I thought it could be really cool to to take a few minutes and chat with Jen about her company, why she started it, what she's all about, and this whole idea of what does it mean to be sober curious. So Jen, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is such a joy. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun. And um, I actually, I didn't tell you this before we started recording. We met like right when Ken launched We met at Hoxton Hotel in Williamsburg. You guys were doing like an activation there. And I went with my friend Amanda Blair and we had some Kenny Forks. You taught us all about like nootropics and adaptogens. And I was like, what are these things? (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Oh, my God. That was one of the first events that we did. It was a live euphorics making class. I got to do my, give my whole spiel, my euphorics 101 teaching moment. (laughs) It was a blast. It was so fascinating. I'd never heard about that. And, you know, I, I grew up in a home where there was alcoholism and addiction. And so going to that event that's been several years ago now was so intriguing to me because I feel like there's this stigma about like, going out and not having an alcoholic beverage. Like it's, oh, are you pregnant or do you have a problem? It can't ever really be like, oh no, I just don't want that right now. Um, So I just wanted to, first, can you just tell us who you are and what is Kin and why did you start it? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Jen Batchelor, as you mentioned, the co-founder and chief euphorics officer of Kin. I, uh, uh, you know, we started this uh, at least conceptually back in 2016, uh, and really it was a direct response to shifts that were happening in in my lifestyle, my my co-founder's lifestyle, our priorities, and our philosophies around really what revelry was becoming in our lives, what role alcohol played in that. And how we could sort of modernize that social ritual um, for ourselves. And mm. it's a long time coming, Kat. I mean, look, it's 10,000 years of a, a social ritual centered around one ingredient that no matter what you call it, wine, tequila, whiskey, it's really the same Thing, right, you're feeling pretty much the same. Uh, it just depends on you know how often and how much you imbibe, right? So for us, I think it dawned on us really early, and of course, we started with an anthropological, sociological deep dive on why, how did this ritual survive so many eons, and how far have we come from the original intention of the social ritual drinking? primarily mead and wine 
to now today's state of affairs where we're sort of imbibing mindlessly, right? There's so many people I talk to, especially early on, that I simply just ask the question, why do you drink? Hmm. You know, what is the big benefit? What's the get? And most people couldn't answer that with a response that they could stand behind and feel good about. You know, uh, they were saying, well, you know, I, I, I drink to relax. I really don't want to drink more than once a week, but so many of my social rituals, you know, revolve mm-hmm. around this and I want to be left out. It was more, I drink because I don't want to be stigmatized. I don't want to be left out of a social ritual. I don't want, um, I don't think I have a problem. It was immediately sort of jumping to the emotional reasons why you not drink versus why you do and all of the benefits that come with that. So for me, it was if alcohol was launched as an ingredient, it was introduced to the Western world in the last three or four years, it wouldn't have survived patenting, right? It wouldn't even have made it through to the consumer shelf. Um, and I think we're... Why do you think that? Well, because look at look at how new products are scrutinized nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. A new product hits the market immediately. As soon as there's an adverse effect, the FDA is all over it. It's like mm. people are, people are not, you know, they're ending up, you know, with X Y Z issue. This is a contraindication to uh, whatever pre existing condition they have. Well, al- so is alcohol, right? It's very inflammatory. Mm. Um, you know, and of course, just like all of the the commonsensical things that you already know, kids are ending up in the hospital with alcohol poisoning. You know, women are being battered. All of the things that come from, you know, drunk driving, uh, deaths associated with anything. I don't have to rattle off all of the reasons, but be in, surely for our local governments to be like, hey, guys, this is really having a detrimental effect to society. Why would we let this persist? Because it's been so socialized, we, we sort of let it exist uh, amongst us and we rely on it. Wow. I've never really thought about it. I've never really thought about it in those regards, but I feel like you're really right. So then you're thinking about, it sounds like personally and just in curiosity with yourself and others, like what's the why behind this? So did you get to a point in your own life where you were not drinking or you were being curious about your own consumption? Yes, absolutely. I figured, you know, if I'm being so conscious about everything else I put in my body, including my skincare routine. You know, I was just spending gobs of money trying to optimize my well-being, but then I would sort of drink it down the drain uh, after, you know, happy hour or a really long brunch, right? So it's like, what is the point of this to end up at net zero? I don't want to break even on wellness. I want to start from a place of, you know, I'm already investing. I want to start from from a place of, of that sort of benefit accrued, and I want to continue building upon that. Um, so it became really clear to me early on that alcohol just doesn't fit that equation when I'm, you know, focused on enhancing my performance, um, you know, thinking clearly, feeling great, seeing my skin glowing, um, all of that sort of really come full circle when you're, when you're actually aiding that and not playing sort of tug of war, uh, with your intentions and your, and your hard earned money, um, so I did that for a while and I, and I had a wellness startup before Ken that was focused on bringing, you know, healthy options to the travel space. And, um, I saw how detrimental it was for people uh, to have alcohol at the center of their, of their recreational 
rituals because they had such an intention of connecting to to wellness modalities outside of that and they were in direct conflict so i'm like rather than be in direct conflict even with the solution of, of euphorics i wanted to meet people where they were i wanted to reimagine the ritual add some sophistication to and you know this this offering but then also make it so sexy that the bar would want to carry it and you wouldn't have to be embarrassed to order something like euphorics you know, versus what the experience is like when you just order seltzer and you get a big mm. tall bowl filled with ice and it's like you're marked for the rest of the night. Totally. It's like the scarlet letter of going out on a Friday night drinking soda water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what are Euphorics? So can Euphorics is your product. I even still, even though I've like had your product, I've loved your product. I still, it still kind of feels elusive to me. I don't fully understand it. Yeah, sure. And I appreciate you asking. Euphorics, naturally, not a lot of people know what it is because we invented the term. (laughs) So the idea is sort of twofold. Obviously, it's intended to represent a new category of pleasure priming drinks, right? This idea that you can have your cake and drink it too. You can have something that's refined, that tastes like a cocktail, but that actually is nutritive to the brain and balancing to the endocrine system. Mm. That was sort of a novel concept, right? Because no one had thought to marry Eastern philosophy around um, facilitation of, of effect between herbs, adaptogens, roots, and incorporating the biohacking approach of the Western world um, and incorporate ingredients like nootropics that could actually bring you some clarity, improve learning and memory while you're at the bar. That was sort of a novel concept. People were doing those two things in silo. Mm. And certainly they weren't as part of their nightlife rituals. So it's a, it's a brand new concept in general. It's a new way to live. And we added the ICS euphorics uh, on purpose because it very much is uh, an art and a science, not only in the way that we approach formulation, but in the experience itself. So just to be clear, you, your product is alcohol-free. Yes. Yes. We don't typically start there because we're trying to well, this is just a whole new way to do it. Yeah. It's a whole new thing. Just like you wouldn't say cannabis is alcohol-free. You understand that to be a whole new realm of experience. <laughs> That's such a good point. So can you just unpack a little bit? You were talking about adaptogens and nootropics. What are those things? And so when I first started drinking Kin, I was like, am I going to get high? <laughs> like, what are these things? <laughs> no, totally valid point. And, uh, and that probably has to do too with the idea of um, Western civilization sort of over the last, primarily over the last hundred years, Western culture really taking the word euphoria and completely removing it from its original intention. If you look at the etymology of the word euphoros, which is the root word for you know euphoria as a state of being it actually just breaks down to mean to bear well within to feel your well-being uh the opposite of which ecstasis is what we mean when we say oh i'm euphoric on this molly right means to be outside of oneself euphoros is intended to bring you back to yourself. And actually, it was coined by physicians in the late 1700s to mark the moment when their patients actually went from being sick to being well. So that's how close euphoria, euphoros, is to healthy, a naturally healthy state of mind. 
versus what you might think of when you when you say um, hi or I am sort of out of my my body experience. Um, we really, really wanted to bring people back to themselves and to feel that palpably because what we appreciate is when we say altered state, we're altering our state the second we walk outside our door, the second we turn on the news, we are going into the state of fight or flight. That's not our natural merited birthright bliss state, right? We're not in accordance, living in accordance or feeling in accordance with our happy, joyful, creative state when we are anxious. So all that to bring it back to what adaptogens and nootropics are, we realized that if we had to create an elixir that was delivering on all of the things that people thought they were experiencing, all the benefits, quote unquote, that people thought they were getting by drinking alcohol, the sense of relaxation, lowered inhibition, uh, social efficacy, all of the things that you want to have when you get to happy hour, put work behind you and get into play mode. You are able to do much better, aka much more efficiently, uh, much more consistently with something like adaptogens, which are intended to help you curb the effects of stress and over time to be able to adapt quicker to stressors, whether that be environmental, physical, psychological, adaptogens are roots and herbs that help you to adjust or fight off the Sunday scary, so to speak. So all of the anxiety comes from an attack. Um, Nootropics, on the other hand, are very, very useful in helping the neurochemical balance of the mind and anything really that's required to synthesize thought, to process memory, to enhance focus, clarity, to be able to articulate yourself better. All of these things are really just enhancing what already exists in your body. You have bliss molecules, you know, between dopamine, of course, serotonin, which are two neurotransmitters that we act upon, but you wake up with a normal, you know, a, a healthy store of those uh, in a healthy mind and body. You wake up with a store, an energy store of those transmitters that still get used all day. So kin is intended to just bring to balance and feel that in the moment. This episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by my very own free guide for single women, six tips to activate your dating life. Raise your hand if dating as a woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has ever felt like a total struggle fest. Or maybe being single in our culture today feels overwhelming, lonely, discouraging, frustrating. And maybe if you're being really honest, it can even feel hopeless. Listen, single gal to single gal, I totally get it. But did you know that doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results is known as the insanity cycle? Friend, it is time to walk into a freeing, exciting, and purpose-filled season of singleness. It's time to activate your dating life. I created a free guide for you, and by free, I mean zero dollars, called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life to equip you to shake things up in your season of singleness. You can grab it right now at bit.ly slash trwdatingtips. 
Now you will walk away knowing number one, the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. Number two, I'm going to teach you how to get unstuck in your dating life. And three, I will show you the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically change your season of singleness. And finally, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. You don't have to wander around for years like I did, insecure, uncertain, and discouraged about your dating or lack thereof life. So if any of this resonates with you, pause and go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dating tips and grab your free guide. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-R-W dating tips. All right, let's get back to it. What we look for often in alcohol, I resonate so much with what you're saying, that ritual of you know, being at this dinner and having a nice glass of wine and enjoying it with other people. And I feel the older that I've gotten, and I'm only 34, like the more of like an impact my body feels from alcohol. And last year I gave up alcohol and caffeine for six months for several different reasons, but one of them just being I was really having problems with my adrenals. And so I was like, listen, I just want to like have my body at peace and homeostasis. So let's see if taking that out will help. And then I realized once I started incorporating that again, it's like, it's interesting to think of like, oh, like I want to have this glass of wine or these two drinks or cocktails. And, you know, it does feel nice to kind of have that exhale after a long day. And in that moment, it's like this fleeting moment where you feel like that. And then I noticed for myself, like two hours later, I was getting a really bad headache or I wouldn't even have been drunk or overindulgent. And the next day I was like, man, I feel like crap. And so really, like, it's not giving me what I want, but yet that like itch in the moment to partake. And I don't know if this is largely because I live in a city like New York, where I feel like New York is very much so this drinking culture and it's cheaper to go out to drinks than to go out to a dinner. And we all have small apartments, so we can't host a lot of people for parties. So often going out is going to bars. But that's just been something that I've been personally thinking about of, huh, like just trying to be curious for myself, like, why am I going to this thing? And when I go to it, it often doesn't ultimately like give me that thing that I want. And I often feel bad after. Even emotionally, sometimes the next day I'll be like, man, I had a couple glasses of wine and I just feel down. Like I don't feel great, like on the inside. And my body also doesn't feel great. And it sounds like what you guys kind of did was like pause and be like, okay, what is it that we're really looking for? And is is our actions in alignment with what we're wanting, with the result we're wanting? Well, no. So then how can we do that? And it honestly sounds like it's like a supplement drink <laughs> of of this like beautiful concoction of like, these are the things that we really are longing for oftentimes in this experience. Um, now, what would you say? Because I feel like maybe this isn't like a and on the top of the head response to why we drink. But it seems like a lot of people, I know I've done this at times too, like, 
oh, I feel anxious, so let me have a glass of wine and then I'll feel better. Or then I think sometimes, too, we drink and then we have this great excuse for doing things that we're not proud of. And then with that kind of taken out of out of the equation, it's like, oh, well, now I have to just take responsibility for the fact that I was just a jerk last night or whatever it was. Um, What are your thoughts on all of that? You know, it's funny because I always come at it with, if you had access to tools, ingredients, manufacturing processes, a juicer, whatever, that could deliver you an elixir that can that will help you feel relaxed, all of the things you're saying you want to feel, dancing, you know, the dance juice, whatever it is that you're wanting to achieve after a long day, to your point, you've had a long day, you want to reach for that glass of wine. If I could deliver you that without the costly consequences of hangover, feeling resentful, regretful about something you did or said, all of the things that you um, pointed out so astutely. And this, I, th- I think something that everybody can relate to, um, would you choose that over alcohol? Nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. That that other, that 10th person is just purely skeptical that that's even possible. And what I'm saying is, there are so many advancements that we've made, guys. Think about it. We've got Beyond Burger. We've got Impossible. We're literally recreating meat in the lab. That might not be for everybody, mm. but the science is there. If the science is there and we know way more about our brains and our relaxation cycles and our neurotransmitters than we ever have, why wouldn't you put these tools in motion? Why wouldn't you think about facilitating that feeling of relaxation versus what alcohol does, which is numb the anxiety just to exacerbate it later because obviously your liver has to process that, your brain has to process that, your skin gets dried out, all of the things that are related to anxiety and discomfort that you don't realize too much later. So we're realizing as we become more efficient humans, as we become way smarter and uh, more attuned to what's available, that there's a much more sustainable way to achieve that effect. Um, so I think most of the people that I know that continue to drink alcohol, um, don't know about the alternatives available to them. They don't know perhaps the impact that alcohol is having on their systems. For example, we have a ton of folks that said to us, well, high road is, is, and and spritz, which are, which are our first two offerings designed for happy hour are quite stimulating for me. I much prefer whiskey at the end of the night because it helps me sleep. What we did was we worked with some of those people. Uh, We have a a doctor that we work with, Dr. Daniel Gartenberg, who is a sleep uh, scientist. And he proved time and time again, alcohol is actually the most disruptive thing you can do for sleep, even though it numbs the senses and it can lull you into a state of passing out, right? You can actually decrease oxygen to the brain, increase GABA, which helps to make the the muscles feel relaxed. Um, You actually pay for it because your body has to work that much harder in uh, removing it, purging this poison from the body. So we released something in December called Dreamline, which I like to refer to as like a a walk in a midnight walk in the forest. Mm -hmm. It has everything from reishi mushrooms, which is very calming to the mind, a little melatonin, a little tryptophan, and then some beautiful florals like passion flower, uh, smoked sea salt, oak, oak tree extract that actually help fortify the mind and relax the body and mind so that you can enter into restorative sleep. We asked people, we asked about 300 people to 
give up their whiskey and wine habit before bed and exchange it for Dreamlight. And they've never woken up more refreshed. We have so much data to support this. So I think honestly, it's just about helping people get really clear Mm. as to what benefits they think they're getting from alcohol and providing them something that is way more empowering and way more effective in the long term. Wow, that's so fascinating. And that product, I'm sorry, I can't can't remember the name of it. The Dreamlight is what what it's called? Yep, exactly. That is my favorite product that you guys offer. I've gotten multiple bottles of the Can You Fork, but it was when that came out, I was like, oh, this is my product because <laughs> I struggle with sleep. I struggled with anxiety. And when I gave up alcohol for six months last year, I like did a bunch of research and was like, no, actually, yeah, like I, it's not good for my sleep to have alcohol. Yeah. And that's when I found y'all's product and it was like super helpful for me. I, I loved it. I love it. It's such an incredible product. So what now, what is your journey with alcohol now? Like, do you currently partake? What does that look like for you now? I like to say I'm not uh, a zealot over any one way of doing life. And that applies Mm -hmm. to every single facet of my life. And so for uh, many months in building kin, I was very much alcohol free. Uh, But I have winemakers in my family. So from time to time, especially with family, especially with an intentional group, I would have a glass of wine maybe once a month. Um, But I know myself and in times of uncertainty, in times of crisis, alcohol really does have an impact just on my energetic body. I've been alcohol free now for the past uh, month and a half. It's just such a boon to my my spirit. Uh, I see it on my face. You know, my skin completely transforms. My energy levels can restore. It's crazy what like a couple sips of wine will do for my my own well being. And maybe it's psychosomatic at this point because I know so much about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I try to moderate where I can, and and during times like we're facing today, I, I try to abstain completely. I, I think I just know myself well enough that, and I have alternatives obviously at my disposal um, that allow me to live that lifestyle. So. I try to take advantage as much as I can. Yeah. And do you, I don't, it's one of those things that I didn't know, like, oh, am I just seeing more of this term of sober curious because I know about it? And so because I know about it, I'm seeing it everywhere. Do you think that this like sober curious lifestyle is having a moment right now? It absolutely is. And and we really have Ruby Warrington to thank for this. We have, I, I think it's fascinating that it's, it's mainly women leading the charge mm-hmm. on this. I don't think there's, it's a coincidence. Um, but since she really took on this, this, uh, this plight for all of us and started to shed some light on the fact that sober curiosity can be a gateway to really transforming your entire life and that there are a lot of options available to us. She sort of laid them all out in her book, which which were, was released uh, last year. There have just been so many groups of people now feeling empowered and inspired to, to investigate this uh, and try it on for themselves. So I think that because of, of, of her and, and uh, you know, a lot of other programs, a lot of products um, related to, to euphorics, but also tangential from that, which are just, you know, frankly, uh, really delicious tasting non-alks, there's just been a confluence, right? 
of opportunities for people to try this on for size. And frankly, it's really sexy. I mean, the mm-hmm. options we have now, you don't no longer have to be embarrassed about. Um, and so I think with the masses sort of coming together and being like, hey, I actually feel really good. I tried dry January and I want to keep going. I think with people sharing their stories too, it just makes it so much more accessible. Yeah. And what would you say for a person that's like, huh, I wonder if I need a break from drinking? Like, how can someone personally decide and discern if like this is something for them? Are there questions you would have them go through or things you would have them think about? First, first question and the most important, I think, in anything that you're doing, whether it's reevaluating a relationship in your life or reevaluating really any habit uh, in your life that you sort of in your gut are already questioning, is this right for me? Um, the very first question I would ask is, is this robbing me or hindering me from an opportunity or the energy that I need to pursue my dreams? Is this getting in my way? Because very often you can answer that. If you're willing to answer that honestly for yourself, the answer will be clear. I think what women also have to appreciate women, women and men and just human human beings in general. Um, but I think what, what women are mostly pressured around is coming into the feminine through the masculine. And a lot of times as it pertains to our social rituals, that means showing up and drinking our counterparts under the table and sort of being pound for pound on how hard you can party or, you know, uh, sort of succumbing to some of the social pressures online of, you know, the memes that make, uh, that sort of trivialize alcoholism or uh, make wine sort of a, a thing to aspire to. It's you have to break through all of the smoke and mirrors around that and just shut the noise off for a minute and, and get real with yourself. It's like the last three times I, I drank, and we can be real with each other, the last three times we, we drank extensively, how, how did we come across? Was that us living our best lives, presenting our best selves? We certainly weren't coming at life, contributing in a way that was aligned with our highest good. Certainly not. We can all agree to that. So it's like without having to punish ourselves, because that's not helpful for anyone, what is the proactive, positive thing, one change I can make today to help myself come at life from a place of strength and empowerment? Mm. And I don't think there's anything more important than being in your right mind, reserving your agency for things like creativity, flow, love, yeah. uh, and all of the things that I think all of us aspire to in general. And I think when, as you pose it like that, you're offering such, I mean, you said agency, autonomy, and even empowerment. Because when I think of historically giving up drinking, oh, like dry January, oh, because I drank way too much in December, all those holiday parties, or it's like almost we become a, a victim to addiction or a victim to other people's expectations, but to pause and say, okay, is this in alignment with what I want? Right. Yep. Yes or no. And then making a decision from there is like making a decision from like wholeness and freedom and connection to like your vision and where you're headed as opposed to like, I can't do this. I won't do it. Let me white knuckle my way. Like it sounds like being connected to like a greater sense of why. Um, and that sounds like really empowering as opposed to, well, sorry guys, I can't drink. I'm on dry January. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I, I get 
frustrated sometimes too when I see some of the marketing communication around the non-alks tends to be mocktail where you know the, the it's already from the name of the from the from the nomenclature it's already sort of mocking you right it's it's mm. insulting decision um, that I feel is the bravest decision you can make and the strongest decision you can make to do something right for yourself um, and then on the flip side it's like well drink this when you're not drinking well how about if I've made for for my life that doesn't have to be the lesser than option, um, you know, or, or something that is uh, temporary and don't worry about it. It's like we all we always have to apologize for our decisions. The reason why you see a lot of the kin branding is so joyful and so fantastical is because we've seen and we've heard from our guests the power they feel when they can choose something with agency, they can choose something sophisticated, go out and share that story and inspire other people and do it from a place of transcendence. Like that, mm-hmm. there's no excuse necessary. There's no apology necessary there. It's literally like you're able to sing it from the rooftops because it is such a new thing and you can identify that. 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here, human to human, to ask you for support. Help me, friend, to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services, to my team who edit and produce the episodes, to licensing music, and running logistics for all things Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refined Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Refined Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. So what would you say then is, in your opinion or in your research, the biggest hindrance to people trying out a more sober lifestyle? I still think the social stigma persists. I love for more thought leaders that are sharing their experience and, and how great they feel. I know there are a lot of celebrities. That's the other thing is I, it's sharing stories of a million different reasons why you would approach this or why you would try to style on for size that aren't specifically related to an addiction, right? So I think a lot of people look at this lifestyle and they're like, well, I don't have a problem. So that doesn't apply to me. Well, when you have mm. a, a figure, a, pers- a public figure like an Anne Hathaway saying, you know what? I got tired of being that hungover mom in the carpool. It's not cute. I don't relate to the other moms that are showing up feeling like crap and looking worse than that um, with their little kids in the car. 
And she said, as long as my kids are in my house, I am not drinking. And that's a, that's a commitment I'm making. So for the next 18 years, I'm alcohol free. And that doesn't mean that she stops having fun. She's still a great hostess. She still, you know, turns out a great herb, uh, herbal and euphoric tonic bar whenever she hosts people and she has a great time, but she just made that commitment for her own personal philosophy. And I think there are a lot of more, a lot more stories out there and available to people so that the stigma can, can sort of dissipate because it's a new way. It's a new way of living. And I think people should, should feel inspired to do that because the choice is free. I mean, euphorics might have a cost working on making them more accessible to people. Obviously they, they have a lot of, of, of research and science and the formula is not, uh, not the most inexpensive thing to make in the world. And we're lucky to have early adopters that help us to feel this. Um, choice itself is really of the mind of the mind and the spirit. And so this is available really to anybody who, who is willing to try. And, and what we see is that it's easier to stick to that when you have community, which is why we're so uh, and devoted to building this kin community and show people each other, how are they shaking up the euphorics at home? How are they feeling? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what you think about this, but something that scared me as I went into the six month journey I, I went on into and I didn't even tell a lot of people I was doing it. I think I was honestly scared. I didn't know if I could do it. Yeah. I was scared to discover what is really my relationship with alcohol like, you know, like I say, oh, I don't have a problem. I, I can I don't have to drink to go in social settings. And I think underneath that for me was like a real fear of what I would find out mm. if I tried to stop. Mm-hmm. And there were things that I found out that were really curious to me and really, really helpful. Like I never, Jen, would have ever told you I get social anxiety and because of that, I drink alcohol. But once I stopped drinking, I would find myself like at a loud bar or at a loud party and feeling overwhelmed. And I was like, oh, weird. Like I don't ever remember feeling like overwhelmed in social settings. And then I was like, huh, I wonder if this is when I subconsciously go get a glass of wine yeah, or a cocktail um, and just being willing to look at that and not judge it, but just be curious about it was honestly, that was hard. And, you know, my dad is a recovering addict. And during that time I was constantly like, okay, dad, what do you think about this? Like, does this mean I'm alcoholic? Like I was so scared of discovering something about myself that I didn't want to discover about myself. Mm. I wonder too if that's like a big, if, if that's another hindrance for people like not wanting to try it is like afraid of what they might discover. Yes. Yeah. So there's, there's two critical, critical points that you bring up here. It's number one, fear of leaning into the discomfort for fear of what it might show you. But what I say to folks that are experiencing this, and hopefully you attest, knowledge is power. There's so much courage and strength that can be found in just knowing where your limits are. And I think we all, again, in all facets of our lives should be actively testing our limits so we can understand and the resistance and grow from that. I mean, we're here on this planet to to evolve and to elevate our experiences and those of, those around us. So I think that's a huge opportunity and what a gift that you gave yourself this this test and this moment of discomfort to discover something uh, about yourself. 
And then, you know, I, I think the the flip side of that is being able to be vulnerable, you know, to some of these human experiences and sharing that with people and saying, you know, I'm going to give this a try, but I know, I know how hard it is. And I'm also not going to punish myself uh, for the times that I perhaps, uh, you know, am vulnerable and I have a glass of wine. That's okay. You know, it's not the end. I think think the thing that blocks people is saying like, making this announcement, I'm not going to drink for 30 days, or I'm not going to drink for the rest of the year. Um, And then when you, you have a sip of wine, it's like, well, screw it all. I'm just going to, you know, (laughs) it's that dilemma of all of a sudden you feel like you ruined this big, uh, uh, you know, journey, this goal that you had. And so screw it. I'll just go, you know, full ham on it. And I think if we were just gentle with each other and ourselves and we had grace, we wouldn't have to place these ultimatums and we would just allow this to really be a discovery process, Mm. you know, share sort of the fears and the scars and the mishaps um, because you know that your community will ultimately uplift you and push you through to the other side. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's definitely just so relevant, Kat. I feel like we hear different versions of that story every single day. Yeah, but the, the joy is in discovering. So lean into that fear, I think. So if you could just give maybe a few practical steps, like here, a couple how to's. I always like giving people like a couple things to hang their hats on in the episode. So let's say someone listens to this and they're like, huh, like I'm curious about giving this a try. What are a few practical steps you would encourage someone to do? I love the idea of just taking stock of my social rituals. You know, what are some of the sort of pervasive habits, pervasive outings um, that are uh, that I am most susceptible to perhaps choosing something that is not uh, in alignment with what I ultimately want. Um, that's just a very worthy way to say, assess who the, who you have around you and start making some cuts. And don't be afraid. I think for, for you know this period, and, and this is why I always come back to, even now, sort of ironically, and painfully relevant. We're all in this mode of social distancing and isolation. Now is a great time to take stock of the people that are surrounding your energy field, the people that you keep in your life that perhaps are dragging you down and how you can take this time to really rethink your habits so that you can perhaps inspire them. And if not, just forge a new path for yourself. And I know that can be scary, but I really think, and I know in my own experience that being sort of ruthless about how you can um, really graduate to this sort of next chapter of life, which is committing to, in, in your example, right? Committing to Kat's greatest potential and being able to ride to that and bring people up to that level because the type of person you are, you're going to do that, right? So anyone listening, you're being intentional about where you're heading because you know that wherever you go, you will elevate others along with you, right? Rising tides lift all boats. And so be thinking about it as this is my greatest intention for everyone and I'm going to start with me. That was really helpful for me because I knew I couldn't rise up, especially when I started this journey. It was 2016. Obviously, there was a very interesting, very contentious election afoot. There was a lot of grumblings, a lot of reevaluation of what does it mean to be woman, you know, female empowered. And for me, I'm like, it was very clear. I cannot be an activist. I cannot rise up for my community. I cannot be empowered 
if I'm drinking away all of my clarity, all of my creativity and my peace of mind. So um, when you see things that aren't in alignment, that's probably my second tip uh, in the line is just being, being okay with cutting them out, even for a time, like an elimination diet, a spiritual elimination diet and a, and a physical one um, where you could just realize, oh, actually stopping this for a little while allowed me to finish this project that was sort of sitting there or to come to a great decision on this other thing that, um, you know, I was certainly putting off and numbing out. Um, yeah, I think it's just, it's just getting really real with yourself and then reveling in the little moments and the little victories, even just day by day. Yes. I went another Friday with a glass of wine. This is huge. (laughs) Absolutely. And like giving yourself permission to celebrate those small wins. And I love how you communicate about this, Jen. It's so inspiring and exciting and it's empowering. And, and it's also, I think, when I initially would hear about sobriety, like part of me felt like it was prudish almost of like, I grew up in Texas and you know, it's like, there's like people who don't drink and it feels like, ah, that feels like so legalistic and like gross in that sense. And so I think I had like an aversion to it for like, multiple reasons for a long time, but hearing, I mean, I'm just so on board with your intention about creating intentional practices in our lives, being curious about why do I do the things that I do socially? Why am I hanging around the people that I'm hanging with? Are my actions in alignment with my desires and are they pushing me towards my dream or taking me away from them? Um, So I just am like so, so inspired. And even just in this time, I mean, just to be just to be vulnerable. I've been home for a week now with um in quarantine with my family. And like the first few days, my mom and I had happy hour mm-hmm. at five o'clock and we polished off a bottle of wine each night. And we were like, wow, like a bottle of wine is really just a, a glass and a half mm-hmm. of wine. Like that's not a lot. And then after a couple of nights of that, we were both like, this is not good. And we like would fall asleep early, like didn't feel good the next day. And we both were kind of like, Mm, we do not want to go through quarantine like drinking wine every night. Um, so even in this time, I w- it's been like, oh, like cat, like let's pause and think like what's the why here? How do I want it? I feel like for me, even in this time, this I feel like the whole planet has a giant pause. I feel like God like put pause on the whole planet. And so I want to use this time as like, how can I grow? God, what are you trying to speak to us as as a humanity? And how can we grow? I don't want to look back at this time and be like, man, I sure did watch a lot of Netflix. (laughs) I drank a lot of wine. Um, But like, how can we elevate ourselves as humans and as people? Yeah. And even just in practical terms, what you learned was that you're going to have this bonding moment. You're going to, you know, you're not going to start off with this very rigid sort of disciplined mode. You're going to say, okay, well, there's crisis afoot. I'm with my mom. We're going to get down and we're going to try to survive this together how we can. But in practical terms, you realized very quickly it wasn't a sustainable act. And so we talk a lot about that too with Ken is, is when you think about sustainability and how it affects your spiritual energetic stores, right? The the energy that you have, the stamina that you have, the moment that you get up to go and affect change in the world, the momentum and motivation that we need to maintain in times of crises. Again, hangovers just don't fit that equation. And so um, 
talk a lot about social sustainability from that standpoint. It's just like, how can we be most efficient and effective with our God energy, with our creativity, with all of the gifts that were bestowed every single morning when the sun comes up? And how can we not squander that? It's so important to know we agents of change, no matter what your gifts are, no matter what your work entails, no matter what your circumstance, you have the power to change your world and change and elevate others in the process. And I just don't see that as something worth taking for granted, especially given the climate, especially what, you know, the privileged position that you and I find ourselves in where we can tell stories, we can tell our stories, we can tell other people stories and hopefully impact them for the better. Um, so I, I, I do take that as a big responsibility. And, and I think we all do. I think we all want to be positive agents for change and do our highest work every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point about prudishness, I mean, look, I, I grew up, my dad was ex-military. He was working for um, Saudi Airlines in, in uh, Saudi, just outside of Mecca. I grew up in prohibition land. I mean, alcohol was illegal. So, you know, I, I I'm very much aligned and understand and empathize with the thinking of, you know, not drinking alcohol is like a death sentence. You know, this is so prudish and I'm way more wild and I'm way, way too, mm-hmm. you know, artistic and sexy for that, right? Like I don't need to limit out of my life. But I think what we realize when we, when we ask ourselves the question, is there a smarter way to do this? you know, being that we're leaders, activists, artists, creatives, we know that there is. And so it's our job to choose it or not choose it, no judgment, and then determine how we feel from there and just be honest with ourselves. So insightful, Jen. Well, I love what you guys are up to. Can you share a little bit about what Ken is up to next? And then like, finally, how can we stay in touch with Ken? How can we get our hands on Ken? Are you guys shipping during quarantine? What's going on? We are, yes. Um, we're very, very lucky in that we are predominantly e-com-driven business. We uh, we did that. It was sort of by accident. We launched with a really incredible piece on Vogue. If you haven't checked it out, I, I encourage you to read it. It's a really funny story of one of the Vogue ed- editors trying it for the first time. And, um, and that just sort of kicked the business off online. And so we've been primarily uh, driven by this sort of digital movement um, and we feel very lucky in that, um, you know, I, I do, my hearts go out to some of the wholesalers that do carry can uh, having to shut their doors. We had major plans this year to uh, expand our footprint and be able to deliver bliss in person um, in more cities. But this opportunity uh, of a crisis and in, in the form of a crisis came knocking a couple of weeks ago. We sort of saw the, the writing on the wall and we fast tracked a new program that, um, we launched it's a it's a virtual gathering space it's a, a virtual a digital variety show that we're calling tune in together and again it's an opportunity for us to uh, share the bliss and even with people that that don't want to drink in or can't can't drink it for whatever reason um, to come together and to find joy in the meaningful things the meaningful love laughter light levity anything that we can bring to the table that gets to uh, create a safe place for people on the internet, away from the anxiety-driven news cycle, away from some of the things, perhaps like uh, the wine o'clocks, the digital wine o'clocks that are happening, um, that can really keep engaged and elevated at a time where we need it most. 
Uh, so tune in together is every Wednesday at 4 p.m. PST, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's a we'll have everything from comedy shows to uh, live euphorics making classes, can bingo, uh, you name it. We are putting it together for our community. Uh, and then, of course, we ship uh, to all 50 states. We're we're still. Uh, of course, we've sort of tripled down on on all of the safety precautions from manufacturing to fulfillment, but we, we're still trucking along online, so you can find us there. And for, for those of you interested, my code, which I have yet to give out, but I'm going to do it here Ooh, for, <laughs> uh, for uh, new followers is all bliss with Jen. And that's, and I can send it to you so you can text it out to or, or public yes. your followers, but that'll give you 15% off any order. It's free shipping. Uh, I want to make this accessible to people. So please feel free to use it as much as you can. Share it with friends and family if you think this is something they'd be interested in. I love it. That's so exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that code. And um, thank you for everything that you're doing and just for a really insightful conversation. And um, hope to see you back in Brooklyn sometime soon. <laughs> I know, me too. We'll have to get a euphoric with together. Yes, absolutely. All right, take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about and I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.